This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And we are going to talk today about some things that I think every agent out there should be talking about or focusing on post-COVID. And I think that we all have opportunities that we let slip through the cracks every single day. These are things that we should be talking about anyhow, but with more people who have the ability to shop or will be shopping this year, these are conversations that will differentiate you from your competition. Now, if you don't want to be different than your competition, probably should just go ahead and shut this off because, <laughs> you know, we're we're just not going to tell you the same thing everybody else does. But with always, uh, as always, I have Mr. Hauk with me Yo. today to talk about these things. He's had a little, you know, a couple little minor life experiences happen during COVID, birth of his child. Yep. He, uh, he's, he just hit a month, um, last week. So it's I crazy. I saw that. Man. I saw the, I saw the social media pictures of the of course. first bath. Dude, you and I are in hates baths. He hates basically most things except for eating and sleeping, changing his diaper. Hates that. Oh, I'm trying to clean your ass. No, we're, we're not, we're not going to have that. I'm going to scream. Pretty the sure time. the uh, apple doesn't fall far from the tree there. No, actually. It sure. sounds like he yeah, basically he's just like his mom. <laughs> I did not notice him being overly loud uh, and talking on the phone and his hashtag game is weak right now. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not feeling it, but you know, it's interesting because we're at such, we're at exact opposite places in our parenting journey. I'm right. going through, I'm going through the last, last time they do this last time they do that. And you're still getting to enjoy all the first. So mm-hmm. drink, drink it up, man. Yep, it's been an experience so far, so I'm sure it only gets even crazier. So I wanted to talk about some thoughts that I've had because I think this is a value to everybody out there listening. Um, COVID is going to present the opportunity for us to get in front of a lot of accounts we otherwise may not have. Um, And it's going to expose the agencies that are progressive in their thought process, that have ideas and things that can help contain costs and mitigate risk in addition to um, you know, 
saving them a little money and leveraging some technology to give them some things that they don't have right now. And so, um, you know, I have three main things that I think every agent out there should be talking about coming out of COVID. The first one is cyber. I think that we've got some major issues going on right now with people who are not going to come back to an office. Like I, right. I just think there are so many people out there that got into co- you know, got into working from home and found out they like it. And the employers not having too much of a problem with it because people have still remained productive and in some cases more productive than they were before. Right. And when the when the commute is literally 20 steps instead of having to take time, get in the shower, you know, get cleaned up get dressed, drive to the office and all of that, you actually get a more robust work day out of people. But with that comes some pretty significant exposures, depending on how the IT is managed in those companies. And I think that that is going to be an area that everybody needs to focus on. Now, for all of you out there licking your chops, thinking you're going to go sell them a cyber policy, I would caution you against that because that's what everybody else would do is we're going to get you some quotes. And if experience tells me anything, it's that 80 to 85% of the people that are going out to get cyber quotes don't even understand cyber coverage Mm -hmm. at all. So like anything else in life, the very first thing you need to do is you need to go out and get educated on exactly what exposures are covered, not covered, what the typical claim scenarios look like and all of that. The other thing you need to do is you need to start developing a relationship with somebody on the underwriting side who knows it. Like my man, J hop Jared has been in, he's been in cyber for 20 plus years and has forgotten more than most people know. So for me, I have taken the approach and literally I've been doing business with the dude for 15 years now. I just have always taken the approach where I aggregate all of my cyber and professional liability business to him simply because not only do I get several options for coverage and pricing, but the dude writes a just an absolute epistle on why the coverage form is better than what the person has Mm -hmm. or why he recommends this coverage form for that specific kind of business. And I would tell him here, where's he at? Listen, you know, the guy is so busy writing cyber. He ignores every email (laughs) and text message I have sent him telling him to schedule time. But that is, that is definitely going to happen sooner than later. But I tell you that because we can't be all things to all people. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm not going to – I know enough about cyber to know the bullet points. I know the six things that I talk about every single time. But when it gets into the intricacies and the nuances of that, that coverage form, I want somebody who has my back that, like, literally knows everything. Well, it's like the conversation we had with Greg Zahn the other day. I mean, you know, as far as the life stuff, it's same thing. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, you know, you've had some experience leading with cyber. We've, you know, we've tried to put together a strategy now several times. 
I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but I mean, I do think that there's some value in some of the things we've done from a, a leading with cyber strategy, specifically with using the dark web scans and some of the other things that we've done mm-hmm. to try and provide some level of information on the front end that allows us to drive a wedge. If you were going to go in and lead with cyber right now, let's just say you took your leads for this week and you said, you know what, screw it. I don't, I'm not talking about comp. These people's mods are all great. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go in with cyber. What, what does that process look like for you? Yeah, send in a bunch of stuff to J-Hop first so that he can get me um, some info. And and the thing that I love about our setup with that is it's I have to send him very limited information. And he's able to you know come up with um, what makes sense for them. And again, like you said, kind of provide a breakdown on that. And the, the dark web scan thing is pretty interesting. Um, at, at least to me, that, that that's a really interesting part is you know how much their information pops up when they do a a scan on the dark web and, you know, a lot of them will have multiple hits. Um, and so one of the main objections that we hear when we're going in and talking about cyber is that they're, they think they're too small that, you know, they don't really have a cyber exposure. You know, we've got whatever security and, and this and that, and then you bust out that, that dark web scan and they're like, you know, many of these look familiar like, Oh, well, yeah actually that's my password for this and that and and so on and so forth. And then they kind of start to listen to what you have to say a little bit more. But I would, I would say that most of the people who we engage with talking about the cyber, a lot of them don't think that they have an exposure. Um, No. And I think the thing that's crazy is that it's the smaller businesses that have the biggest exposure because these, they don't have the means. Yeah. These crooks that are out there trying to put ransomware on computers or whatever else, they're not stupid. I mean, right. this is major, major organized crime, and they know the exact no, no different than us going out and prospecting people with bad mods. Right. They know the businesses that are going to have the weakest systems, but have the ability to pay a cash ransom that's painful, but not too painful. So you know they they'll hit that twenty five thousand dollar mark mm-hmm. for ransomware, so that somebody will pay it to be able because they have it readily available, and they can unlock their business again. Right. I mean, I think that's crazy. One of the big things I struggled with is we were starting to lead with that, especially with the dark web scan is, you know, people thinking, what are you doing, man? Are you cyber stalking us? You know, right. how do you, nobody gave you permission to do this. And, you know, the, the that, that would be a normal objection or an uncomfortable situation. And, you know, the, the comeback that I have used to get around that is, listen, I get it. I would be uncomfortable if I was in your situation too. If the guy in front of you that's dumb as a sack of hammers and is an insurance guy can figure this much out right. about your business just by going and scanning your website. Imagine what you people be, who can actually hack are doing. <laughs> yeah, you need to be really, really concerned. So mm-hmm. I get it. Let me help you become uncomfortable. Here are the things. And you talk about it, right? Because one of the things that, that's different about I shouldn't say different, but one of the things I would say that the cyber companies all, at least the ones that have the smoothest processes, that they do, it that, that really helps differentiate them is they just basically lay out, look, yeah, you're getting an insurance policy from us, but oh, by the way, here are all the other things you're going to get. They'll give you the full copy mm-hmm. of the risk management report. They'll right. run they'll run the training for your staff where they're sending out the phishing emails to make sure people aren't clicking on things they shouldn't click on. 
And it, I mean, it's a laundry list. It makes it very, very easy to say, look, I realize you probably think we're here to sell you this product, but here are all the things that you're going to get in addition to just the insurance that would respond in the event you have a coverable claim. So it's it's like when we audit the mod and get and do the mod master and and give them the actionable items that they can that they can do in order to lower their cost of risk. Um, on the cyber side, it, it it generates tangible things that they can do where they they you know may have some gaps in their current situation. Fix this, fix this. You know, here's how we're going to help you do this and so forth. And I think that that is huge. Uh, when you're, especially when you're, because not a ton of people know very much about cyber. I mean, you use the example, um, I don't know when it was a few months back, maybe we were talking, or I think it was at like a networking event. You still were talking about the, um, you know, cyber to a group of individuals and you talked about EPLI and how there was a bunch of claims, you know, a while back and nobody really knew too much about it. There wasn't a, a ton of data to figure out what was reasonable and what wasn't. And, and I think that, you know, that's, that's spot on. And, you know, these people that we're talking with don't necessarily understand what their exposures are and what they can even do about them, um, you know, when they're uncovered. So I, I do like that what we're able to provide is something tangible action items that they can do. Yeah. And if you want to take it a step further, if, if people really want to figure out how to churn this kind of volume leading with cyber, you need to partner with managed services providers in your area. They're everywhere. And they're the ones who can assist with the actual systems integration and things that need to happen in order to make sure that a company is protected. And guess what? They're also in front of businesses every single day. So mm -hmm. now you can go in and you can say, these are things that you have an issue with. Here's one of my, my uh, partners that I work with to help solve these problems or fix these problems inside of companies just like yours. And while you're at it, the, the uh, you know, managed service provider, when they bring a new account on the books can say, look, you know, we really would prefer that all of our clients have a cyber product in place so that there's a level of insulation between us and their end user, their client. And so right. I think there's a good way to do that there, but listen, not being product focused in the sales approach and looking at solving a problem. Yes, you get paid by selling cyber, but you're only going to get a certain level of penetration that way. If you want to go out and you want to get people's attention, you can use the bells and whistles of the dark scan and everything else, but the problem still remains. And the problem is that we have an ever growing remote workforce. So if you want to solve that problem, put together a marketing piece or a program on best practices for cybersecurity for a remote workforce and let that be your leave behind. You are going to be giving them a solution to the problem that does not require them to necessarily buy something from you today, mm -hmm. but it's going to give you the level of credibility necessary for you to make that sale down the road. You know, that's that's what I see happening. And I think a lot of people are going to be receptive to that because they don't have a remote working policy. You know, I, I can say literally almost 100 percent of the companies that I've talked to don't have it yet. They've got people re working remotely yep. every single day. Everybody's just kind of flying by the seat of their pants right now, which is, is you know, kind of to be expected to an extent, but 
that's what's creating massive exposure for companies that they don't even and realize. Who, and whoever meets the need is the one that's going to win. Period. Right. So meet meet the need, and the business will come. You alluded to it. I'm I'm going to lay it out there again, but with all of the things going on right now, and by the way. Before everybody jumps on a political bandwagon, this is not a political statement whatsoever. This is factual based on the current events that are going on in the United States today. You got to pay attention to EPL, DNO, EPI, and fiduciary. If you are not talking to your clients about putting together a management liability mm -hmm. program, you are missing the boat. If you don't think that there are lawsuits, I mean, the claims have already started coming in. Think about how bad people botched the payroll protection plan loan application process. How well do you think those people who had probably never been through something like this in the history of their business before handled the execution of laying off their staff? Right. Or in some cases, laying them off, bringing them back and laying them off again. And so COVID presents one set of opportunity. The other set is everything that's going on right now surrounding the racial tensions in the country. And you are going to see an increased sensitivity to claims for wrongful termination, discrimination, harassment based on other factors, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, those claims are coming in. That market is going to get much, much harder than what it is right now. And we never saw it coming. Nobody would have thought that we would be in the exact set of circumstances that we're in right now. But I can tell you, you know, if you don't have DNO, EPLI, fiduciary, and crime in place, you, you, you've got a problem. And, you, and if you don't have the fact that you offered that with a rejection letter, you probably have an E and O on your hands because your client can come back and say, they never told me about that. They mm -hmm. never offered that to me. And that's something we really need to focus on at Florida risk is making sure that we're at least documenting people who say they don't want the coverage. Something people don't think about is with regard to fiduciary liability, you know, people's 401k is tanked over the last little bit. Now, yeah. we uh, we understand why they tanked, but what happens if they make an allegation that the CFO of the company that is your client didn't do their due diligence or take due care in how they are handling that retirement plan? You know, somebody could come in and say, look, I wanted to move to a much more conservative investment and get out of stocks prior to this, but we didn't have that option made available to us. Now, mm -hmm. I see that the company that does our 401k has options for that, but that's not something that's been made available to us in, in our firm. And they start digging and they say, oh, well, when's the last time that your investment policy statement was reviewed and updated? Ding, 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 ding. Low-hanging fruit probably yep. hasn't happened. When's the last time somebody analyzed the funds to look for style drift in the Morningstar style box? Ding, 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 ding. Low-hanging fruit. Listen, I don't know anything at all about writing 401k or how all of that works. I know the questions that I have to ask as a PNC producer to create doubt and then bring my guy that does 401k in 
to go and handle that business. Here's what I know. I know that if you drive a wedge in one place and you build and get yourself a foothold and you nurture that relationship, before you know it, you'll be handling everything for that company because they're going to find out that you actually think about things holistically and from a total cost to risk perspective. And that it's not always about you knowing everything, but who you know to bring in that mm-hmm. does, right? I mean, I don't feel any weaker by bringing in a 401k expert. I feel better. I feel like I'm doing them yeah. a favor, you know, that they they understand that I'm, you know, going to be able to leverage the relationships I have and, and get somebody who's actually an expert on it versus just trying to BS them through, you know, um, a 401k conversation or life insurance. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. No, I mean, there's only so much stuff you can know. And at some point, you know, people are going to question, okay, this guy seems like he has an answer for everything. Mm -hmm. I think you do more damage. It's much easier to say, oh, nope, those are my four bullet points. Sorry, I'm out. If you have any questions outside of that, let me go bring this guy in or this lady in. They can help you. So that was number two is is management liability, especially on the EPLI side. um, I think you're going to see a lot of stuff around some of the layoffs and other things come down the pipeline, and it's going to affect pricing across the board. The third one, and again, nothing that's rocket science, but something every single one of us should be talking about, and you mentioned it earlier when you talked about Greg Zahn, is buy-sell agreements. I think that, you know, number one, for me, I've just been doing this so long at this point, that is a natural question for me to ask every time somebody comes on the books. I'm I'm specifically looking at it if it's older, you know, I really wouldn't even say a demographic, older people on their way out, younger guys just getting into business. But I mean, really what I'm looking for is I'm looking for companies that have grown fast. And if they tell me that they have it, I want to make sure that they have enough to fund it, right? Because the buy sell itself is nothing more than a legal document. Any attorney can draw that up for them. It's how they choose to fund so it. So what do you ask them? I know we talked about it, obviously, with Greg, you know, whenever we did that episode. But for those who hadn't heard that or um, or whatever, how you know, how do you introduce that in, into the conversation, especially if you're going in and you're talking to them about workers' comp or something because they're obviously not on the surface related? Well, I mean, I think we all have a natural lead-in right now because COVID affected so many people that you know you could just very easily say look looks like we dodged a bullet on this one you know one of the questions we're asking everybody we talk to right now is when's the last time you had your buy sell agreement reviewed mm-hmm. and you know very you can similar to when you ask them about like when you know when they've had their life insurance policy review you know reviewed or something like that or or their workers comp like you know that's that's one of my the number one tricks that i use is oh tell me what happened when your agent came out and discussed your preliminary mod with you when it was you know calculated Knowing full Whoa. well, yeah, nobody ever came out to talk to them about that. Right. And you start driving the wedge that way. Same thing with the buy-sell agreement. I think that most people know that that's something they should have, but for whatever reason, they just haven't done it. And I can tell you, you know, I mean, when you're starting a business, it's not something you want best. to think about. It's it's kind no, of no, like but it's a, the best a, time to lay it out. Right. And that's the problem. That's the best time. To lay it out. And I, you know, I heard some really good advice from a guy one time who was in human resources at a pretty high level. And it goes back to the same thing like like employment agreements, right? Like if you give if you have an employment agreement with somebody, 
you should always offer that and negotiate. I mean, not negotiate, but put the terms of everything surrounding their employment into that agreement, including what happens if they're terminated, mm -hmm. because that's the one time that you could have that event where there's no emotion attached to it. It's part of getting the job. It's normal, you know, normal questions to be asked and everything else. And I, you know, I think that again, most people are so undercapitalized when they go in to start their company and they're just wanting to hang their shingle out and get the thing ramped up as quick as they can that they just look at that as an expense and they don't want to don't want to or don't have the money to spend on it. Mm -hmm. And so it gets cast aside. Then you you know, then you get involved in one and the company's grown into several million dollars a year. Now there's some real meat on the bone. You know, right. and I mean, I'm not looking to retire off of talking to people about buy sell. Is it a nice, you know, subsidy to my normal income stream? Yeah, you better believe that it is. I mean, depending on the product that's used to fund it, you could be looking at several thousand dollars in commissions per policy, you know, and so sure. there's I nothing mean, it, to but tease you, out there. Yeah. I, I, it, but it's important too. It's not like you said, like you're just trying to sell them something for you. To, like it's a legitimately important thing for, for a business to have. I mean, all you got to do is give them a couple examples or horror stories about it and, and it'll kind of, you know, drive that point home, I think. Well, look, the easiest way to do it is say, do you want to be business partners with this guy's wife? Right. Do you want to be business partners with this guy's wife? Right. And the answer is no, never. They right. never want to be business partners with somebody's spouse. If they did, and they would so, have been business partners with them. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so you got to get to the point where they're they're in a position to where they're going to just at least open the door to let you have that conversation. And so for me, again, I just want to create the sense of awareness that it's something that they need that that should be in place in any partnership. Or same thing holds true with key man, right? What if you're like a, a medical device company and your key research guy, you know, who's put the last two devices on the map for you ends up getting COVID and mm -hmm. goes down and never comes back. What have you done to protect that revenue stream right. through a key man situation? I just think that there's a lot of opportunity there. And again, I don't need to go out and become an expert on life. That's why I have Highland Capital Brokerage that we work with. But I think a lot more people are going to be thinking about those things right now uh, because, I agree. again, we can talk about comp all day long, but if somebody else goes in and they talk about the things that you don't and it's the one thing that hits them in the nerves, Which, you're I mean, that's what, And that's what everybody's focusing on right now. I mean, it's a current event. You know, there's all sorts of turmoil, as you alluded to. Um so it's, it's, it's relevant right now. Workers comp is always going to be relevant, but it's not the focal point of, of things that are happening in this country right now. Yeah. I mean, I just think that if you open the door and you say, Hey, look, I just want to touch base with you. I realize you probably got a lot of people calling on you and you know, we're a little bit different, but we've seen a pretty interesting trend in the uptick of employment practices related litigation over the course of the last two to three months, mm -hmm. just wanted to reach out and, you know, provide you a resource and then give them like the, 
we use that Chubb survey, right? That's the survey of private companies that talks about the management liability related claims. We have that in the 12 month solicitation calendar. We have it in, in hard copy as well. That becomes a good leave behind for people, you know, to, to differentiate. So mm -hmm. I think, I think everybody out there needs to be thinking about that and, you know, specifically how they would angle those three things. And by the way, if you don't have relationships with retirement planners or, um, you know, managed services providers in the cyber area or any of these people that can really come in and, and drive value to assist with those things that an insurance program is not going to help with, you're missing the boat. You're missing the boat for credibility when you're in front of your client or prospect, and you're also missing the boat for generating leads through those people. Totally agree. What do you see, man? Do you see anything different coming out of this other than the three? I mean, I think those are going to be my three hot buttons, truthfully. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think those three are right on point. Like I said, I mean, those are all related to the current events that are going on right now. And, you know, there's going to be people that are going out and trying to, you know, um, get back in the swing of things and they're going to all be doing the same thing that they were doing before. They're going to be doing, you know, what everybody else is doing. But I think if you can sh just differentiate yourself and like you said, just giving them like a, like, like the survey, it's, you know, is a, is a great piece of it. It doesn't have to be something that is, you know, where you're really trying to sell them or give them a bunch of stuff. Like if they can just take a simple survey and be like, Hmm, maybe this is something I need to investigate a little bit more. Like you just kind of want to get the wheels turning a little bit. And I think that's, I think with, with these three things here with the cyber, with the management liability and with the buy sell stuff, that's all perfect in terms of current situation right now. And you know what the thing is, the lemmings that are out to sell a product are not going to think about any of it. They're just right. going to go right back to the same thing that they've always mm -hmm. done. You're, you're renewing 60 days. Can I quote your business? Right. No value there whatsoever. All right, man. Good, good episode. People, three things. We gave it to you on a silver platter. There you have what it. you do with it is up to you. You can either go in and you can have these conversations or a cold-blooded killer is going to go in and have them for you. Boom. And then they're going to take your account. <laughs> Till next time, see ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.